0: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Thank You Now What, a podcast about life after service. I'm your host, Matt DeVivo. This episode was produced by Ben Murray. This episode, we spoke with Hannah and Tristan Ambrzeski. Hannah and Tristan met when they both joined the U.S. Army as intelligence analysts. After several combat deployments and duty stations, they each exited the military to pursue different career paths. A few years later, they would join forces to apply for a franchisee grant and open their first of two anytime fitnesses. Today, Hannah and Tristan are not only successful small business owners, but leaders within their local community. We talk about the strength behind their 14-year relationship, how taking on a business challenge as a team enabled their family to flourish, and how investing in their members continues to pay dividends to their souls, not just their wallets. <laughs>
1: we had to get back, man. Like We were like no shit about to get married at the courthouse with her mom was there, flew out. They, they called us AWOL and they called the uh, MPs on us. We hope you enjoy our conversation, and thanks
0: for listening. I'm gonna go ahead and mark this episode explicit now.
1: Oh, <laughs> I have a potty mouth. I apologize in advance.
0: <laughs> we uh, we, we do we do plenty of editing, so uh, yeah, yeah. Any, any anything that doesn't go according to plan, mm. we can just uh, you know time travel. Okay. <laughs> Uh, thanks, for, thanks for being on so late. I know it's like seven fifteen p.m. You guys are very early risers.
1: Yeah, I'm a 3 a.m.er. She's a 6 a.m.er, but she is a sleeper, bro.
0: <laughs> so I've, I've actually been to your gym at 4 in the morning. Tristan, oh. you invited me to work out, and I said, yeah, cool, great. I'll meet you there. And you said, how's 4 a.m.? not that I'm not used to waking up at all hours but uh you actually had like a half a dozen people in there at the same time so you have your little community in there how close are you guys tied into your community you had the high school football coach you had a cop you had some other army people you know expecting the priest and the baker to walk through the door but you guys are embedded in that community down there
1: yeah i think uh i think it's more of the community has embraced us embraced our story uh, we were coming from the other side of Bragg when we had this opportunity uh, presented ourselves to open up one gym, and um, I don't think we the way we create or conduct our business it's very we don't spend any money on marketing more than ten bucks a month it's very word of mouth but yeah I mean we it's it's turned into a family I mean we probably over our two thousand members we have we pretty much know something goes wrong something you know everyone's kind of looking out for each other just today we had a member uh notify us of a number another member that you know there's their dad's about to go so you know we're going to reach out and talk to them make sure they're okay but uh but yes to answer your original question without my adhd rant um yeah very 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 well family oriented how long did that take to build about six months i would say
2: it was pretty quick we pride ourselves in trying to know everybody's name and then try to know everybody's story. It's one of my big pet peeves if somebody in our staff talks to somebody, like write notes so like all of us know their story. So all of us um, know what they're going through, what their goals are, any updates on their family. So we try to not just, you know, know them as a key swipe, but know them as a person. But it's, it's one of the things that I, I push, push on our guys hard to try to make routine.
1: Yeah, and then and, and, and a, a fitness environment, the hardest exercise to do in a gym is open the door, right? Just getting there. After that, it's pretty muscle memory. It's pretty figure out. I mean, you could YouTube pretty much anything, but just finding a reason to get there. And Hannah and I always want to be able to be as warming as possible, supporting, just to be able to get the hardest exercise out of the way is once they get through the door, it's a very welcoming environment.
0: That's great. I never thought of it like that. But most gyms that I've been to, I kind of just, uh, you know, not trying to play the tough guy or anything, but I don't really talk to anybody. Right. Uh, but going but going to yours, it was, uh, it was a totally different story. It was and it's great. I met like five people, you know, before I even showered or brushed my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's start. Let's like backtrack a little bit. You guys met in the Army. You had similar jobs. So can you guys talk about like, how you, you know, what you were doing before you came in the army, how you, how you came in, what you wanted to do. And then up to the point where you guys met up
2: for me. So my brother is one of my oldest brothers is 16 years older than me. He was um, in the army and I've never lived with him before since he was much older than me. And we have just a shared mom. So half brother, but he was in the army for as long as I've known him. And you know, he went special forces and every time he would come home, he would, you know, have his A bag and some MREs. And I would think it's the greatest thing in the world that he was sharing with me, like these snacks that he got out of his MREs and how cool he looked in his photos with his uniform. And I could tell my my mom was so proud of him and she would always talk about him and help, say how brave he is. So I was like, I always looked up to him and wanted to be him. He gave me when I was very little, this like... What is this? A eight not, a BDU type hat with like the flaps, and it's all warm and fuzzy. It had the staff sergeant rank on it, and I was so tiny, and I was like, oh, "Man, I, I'm gonna get that." So <laughs> that was my first goal. Why I wanted to join the army, because he kind of put that um, spotlight on himself, saying like, "This is a good thing to be. This is this will make your family proud," you know. And then obviously, when nine eleven happened, I was sitting in Homec. Ec- economics and uh everybody like everybody thought it was fake and we just all stopped class we were watching the tv screen and just watching it and that was a huge impact and kind of pushed me to joining as well where are you from york pennsylvania
0: oh really it's a couple hours uh, west of philly right
2: it is indeed much closer to baltimore
1: (laughs) (laughs) My, my story is a little, uh, little different, born and raised in Northern California, I was a really good baseball player and uh, my, uh, I went and did a uh, golf tournament for fun and I did the worst possible score in the whole tournament out of like 300 people and uh, my, I turned in my scorecard and my baseball coach says, hey, you, know, you should never play golf again, stick to baseball. And instead of the normal, you know, 15-year-old hears that, okay, yeah, whatever, you're right. I took that as, did, did you just really tell me that? Uh, and three years later, I got a full-ride scholarship to uh, San Diego State University for golf. Because I just wanted to prove them wrong. Just, God, I hate someone telling me I can't do it. I'm instantly going to do it. I was doing real good. I uh, was competing amateur in a lot of my pro events. Then I did the stupid thing and joined a fraternity and lost my scholarship. Became a teaching professional, uh, got a job in Mexico City, went down to Mexico City, lived there for about four months, made the wrong member uh, that was taking lessons from me, in a really bad disagreement, turned out to be a cartel member. So I sprinted out of the country and got to Bakersfield, California, where I knew a friend and I immediately joined the army and shipped out uh, the army in about two weeks later, because I thought that was the safest place I could possibly be. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's um, a quick way to get your hands at 10 and 2, huh?
1: Yeah, 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 real quick. So that's kind of how the quick uh, background story of uh, why I, I enlisted.
0: Yeah, and so you guys both, uh, did you have same job, similar jobs? You guys are both intelligence, right? Yep, yep. So-, so we
2: both went to the same basic training, Fort Leonard, Missouri. thats He even posted it on our Facebook the other day. He said, I remember the day that she walked in. I told my friends sitting next to me, "I'm gonna marry that <laughs> woman."
3: Okay, she's talking
1: some shit right now, but <laughs> but in 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 maps, you know, you go to maps, you, but you remember in processing before you actually get on the buses and you go. Uh, no shit, I remember an, a buddy of mine, uh, Dario Franco. I told him, "Hey, I'm gonna marry that woman. I don't know why, but I'm gonna marry that woman." And then there was some banter. And then sure as shit, I think it was six weeks later, the uh, grenade range, the well, first time I ever talked to her. And then after that, good story. She hates me telling it. Oh, my gosh. And then we, we graduated. We got on the bus. We are on the way to Fort uh, Huachuca. We'd hit uh, Texas and Dallas. And then we went to the food court. And she goes, hey, I don't have any money. I don't have my, my wallet. I was like, hey, no big deal. Let's get some food. I'll pay for it. You know. So I get the food. I grab a table. Guess who doesn't come sit at the table? She dashed on me. She got the food and bounced. <laughs> but it was cool. But after that, like, I was just, and then we've, we've been together ever since, you know? I mean, I have been chasing her through my dreams in real life ever since. And uh, I paid $60 for an engagement ring from the PX, and she still wears it on her hand right now. Um <laughs> It's the smallest rock I think Human-less.
2: ever, but it's
1: a genuine diamond. You know, <laughs> granted the worst quality, but she's still rocking it, man. Uh, we got a couple extra bands on there now, but uh, but yeah, that's kind of the the creation of the Ambroszewski family.
2: We tried to get married the day before uh, graduation, <laughs> so it would be April fifth, two thousand six. So four, five, six, um, but we kind of oh. got in tr- trouble from our jewel surgeons. And they wouldn't let that happen, so we had to wait till after graduation
1: day. Yeah, she's really under underscoring it. They they called us AWOL, and they called the uh, MPs on us. And we had to get back, man. Like, we were, like, no shit about to get married at the courthouse. With her mom was there, flew out. I developed a relationship with the senior drill sergeant. And I went to him. I was, like, senior drill sergeant, like, hey, man, like, no way we're AWOL. Here's who said Yes he goes okay and then he fixed it and we got we got married i think 15 hours later and we everything was taken care of so so okay
0: uh (laughs) this is a lot i am (laughs) i'm gonna ask some questions i feel like i'm licensed to ask only because i was in the army too (laughs) (laughs) You're, you're that young that is one of the most terrible mistakes that so many young people in the army make is to get married so friggin' early. How mm-hmm. many years ago was that? And you guys are still together? Fourteen. Uh, 14 and a half. Yeah. Jesus. So, okay. How did it, how'd you keep it? How did you
1: succeed? Um, Totally perfect. We never have any disagreements. I mean, it's nothing but smooth. <laughs> no, I think it it's, I think it was, it was, to be honest, man, it was immediately difficult. And everything the devil could have tried to do to get in between us happened. I mean, uh, three weeks after us being married, boom, I'm on a 15-month deployment (laughs) with Second ID. I came back. Luckily, she was at First Corps Fort Lewis. She was able to facilitate an interpost transfer for me to be with Corps. um, And then we were able to deploy together, which God bless. I mean... Bro, I was out there 11 months with my queen.
2: Staying in the same mill. van. It was in the that same
1: chew. Like, lucky. I mean, it was...
2: We didn't work the same shifts, but at least we got to see each other either at lunch and bypassing or like he'd be sleeping while well. one of us, like I'd come home. So we got to see each other. So that was really nice.
1: Yeah, we had a pretty cherry deployment, man, the second time. And then I got out. She was one of the first intel analysts on one of the line battalions when uh, females were able to go to the line. She didn't have the best experience and I'll let her talk about that and I'm probably butchering
2: the... You know he asked about marriage, right?
1: Oh, (laughs) sorry man, I got (laughs) ADHD, dude. (laughs) (laughs) I think we've worked real hard on our communication to stay together this long. It has not been perfect in the sense that we have have had some time apart that made me really deep down think how much I wanted her, and it was only a couple months. It was the uh, worst mistake just being away from her. I was sick to my stomach every day. I was just in a bad place mentally and physically. And then we started going to into counseling and church, and I kind of made an uh, oath to God to, you know, when I got baptized, you know, hey, quit drinking and just focus on our marriage. And ever since then, don't grant it. It's every day you're trying to become better the next day. But yeah. I, I was telling Hannah, I think today I was like I've never been more satisfied with anything in my life than I have been with her. I mean, just and this happened about seven years ago, but right now it's just we're just on another level. It's almost like we went to hell for a little bit, and then we built ourselves back up, just an unstoppable force to almost like I not feel heavenly, but other than sitting next to her, but um, I don't think, like, I think it was a big thing I learned that when we used to just fight and then disengage for days to weeks, now it's like, okay, we got it out, why do we get into this situation, and we work it out, because at the end of the day, we just want to be happy, we want to hug, we want old hands, we want to grow old together, and we call ourselves Team Ski, so... But yeah, man, it, it was. It, we have been through it all. You name it, we've been through it. But to be honest, it just it's made us stronger. We didn't let it destroy us like so many other relationships have happened.
0: So, how do you talk about uh, resilience with other people? Because you still live in a military town, right? So, yeah how do, how do you relate to other people going through those type of things?
1: A big a big one that I've picked up. In counseling or talking to people, and I'm really close with the senior pastor here. It's learn how to listen, and then listen to learn. Right. So if you're not if you're not listening to your spouse, how are you going to learn from her? You know what I mean? But I mean, it's it's as juvenile as that sounds. When I started learning to listen to Hannah instead of arguing with Hannah, that's the big piece. But but my initial always like, hey, get a third party counselor what's your church like? Listen to the problems from the people that come up to me. Hannah and I have helped many, many families in the community from our past fails and successes.
2: Oh yeah. Like it's people always like, cause we have social media and like all of our, even our personal and gym accounts, like people always see us as this happy, perfect couple, but we've been through a lot and every, I feel like every, um, relationship has their ups and downs and Ours is not perfect. So I think being relatable and showing people that there are flaws, even if you can't see them, they just have to build around them or get somebody to go through them with.
0: Is that something that I think it's hard to cut through in the age of social media is you're comparing your inner experience to everyone else's outer experience, right? Yeah.
2: Unless you're on TikTok, then they show you some real oh, stuff. Oh, she's on this TikTok kick, bro.
1: She's, <laughs> she's big time on this TikTok, man. No, but,
2: yeah. I, yeah, yeah. You'll see him snoring. You'll see. Uh, no, but to,
1: to answer your question, yes. It, it, a lot of the, it's almost like 90% of social media. It's like, well, I ate, ate this ice cream cone better. Or no, but like mine was so much better. It's like, was it really? You know? Yeah. But I, but, but to be honest, like there's a lot to also, if you flip it on the good side, there's a lot of, lot to learn on social media too, if utilized correctly, right? Um, I just think too many people utilize it incorrectly and almost maliciously.
2: You have to surround yourself with like good influences, good people. I think that's one of the, been the the greatest things for us on social media is like, all right, like we need some more positivity in our lives. Like I just started deep diving all these positive like you know, you know, godly um, websites and pages and I'm like, I want to see this first. I want to see this first. I want to see this first. So when we flip over our phone, that's the first thing we see is something positive or, you know, encouraging about like what we can do to be a better person or a better spouse or something positive.
0: And I want to get into more of your uh, cost, high effectiveness marketing strategy in a little bit. Let's get through the military stuff. Okay. So Tristan started talking about this, but Hannah, so you were trying to get like a, another assignment to a specialized unit and you needed to go out and get some other experience first. How did your career within intelligence build while you're in?
2: Uh, well, first I went to Aberdeen Proving Grounds, um, a technical intelligence battalion. I was there from the time we graduated till December. So it was April through December of '06. But I wanted us to be together, so I, was, I joined active duty, because so I was reserve active. That's how I got to First Corps. You know, lots of uh, times at Korea, lots of times at Japan. Then we got to deploy. Went airborne after deployment. That was one of my goals, to follow my brother. My brother's here at Fort Bragg. And I was like, I, w- I want to be to Fort Bragg. I want to be airborne like him. I got to be exactly like him. I got to get my e yeah. 6 and have wings. So I went airborne. That's very uncommon from somebody from Corsa, but it's so proud. Then I, <laughs> then I, then we got here to brag. Uh, I was with uh, the 82nd for a couple years, and for uh, five good years we were trying to have a baby, but it was really difficult. It, something was just not working. So five years we tried to have kids, and then all of a sudden it was possible, and it it happened very quickly in 2011. So that pretty much changed my forecasting time in the military and then the plan to go, you know, to other units, to other places changed quickly.
0: Okay, what was it like being a mom in the military?
2: From what I hear now, much difficult (laughs) from when I was in than it was, than it is now. They're telling, I have, because we, we live in a military family and they're like, yeah, I'm on my leave. So I need a, you know, a gym to go to. And I'm like, wait, how long is your leave? I was like, well, we got six weeks. And then the next day I had to be back and we did like a, it was a, I think a brigade run. Yeah, the PT test for the last <laughs> couple of days, too. <laughs> so like the day after my six week leave from pregnancy, I had to go like to this brigade run. They're like, you're here. I was like, I mean, uh, look, I don't have a reason not to be like, My time's up from being, you know, off work, but it was hard. Um, I don't think it's, it was as friendly in 2011 as it is now for moms. Like it was hard for me to do any kind of mom things behind closed doors or it was just, it was difficult. So that's, that's one of the reasons that I got out because he was already out in 2010. So I think we made the decision in 2012 that I got out and became a stay at home mommy (laughs)
0: What were some of the things that changed for you after you, after you have kids in the, uh, in the army? Cause most I'm coming from it where just most of the, the people I worked with were men. Most of the guys had kids at home, maybe stay at home wives or part-time working wives <laughs> like uh, old school stuff. But I know that's not the case for everybody.
2: Yeah, no, it was, it was hard. Like I had like, I'm, and this is weird to say, but I fully believe in breastfeeding. So that was very difficult to do as the s 2 NCYC where everybody wants to go into your door and have your, you know, your packets done for your, (laughs) your clearance and everything. Like you have no time, you have no time to do anything. But I had another female NCO who had a baby right before me and she was really good at talking me through it. And like the standards of the 82nd, like you have to be fit or you're trash. So <laughs> I was still out running people with this big old belly passing these platoons. And I, I <laughs> that I enjoyed. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not easy. And then when I did get out, I found, I, I missed PT, like the army PT. So I found this group of um, moms that worked out outside Uh, with their babies and I was like great this is like outdoor PT like I did but with my kid this is fantastic so I did that for a while myself then I turned into the chance of owning a business so I owned that business and then I got the chance to contract on base like I was you know pregnant doing this army mommy PT and then I got to do that for other moms once I got out and I contracted on base to bring that those types of classes on the base was pretty cool.
0: So this was like your first foray into business ownership.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, I had no idea what I was doing whatsoever. I had, well, my I had when I was really little, my uncle he owned his own business, and I always loved and aspired to be him. He was he owned a it was called Design Center, and he would always walk me in and show me around his into his building, his, introduce me to his people, and it'd be I feel like a VIP because my uncle owned the place. But I thought that was pretty cool. So I was like, I want to be that cool boss too, you know? But no, I, I, had, I had no, you know, I did not want to do that. When I first, you know, got out of the Army AIT, I wanted to be what it was like an NSA police, like with my intelligence background. I was like, this is what I want to do. This is what Man, I'm going to do. Yeah. And it didn't happen. So I was like, great. Well, this isn't, this isn't working. So that's why I joined active duty to be with him in Washington State instead of East Coast.
1: I heard I was the backup plan in that sentence.
2: Oh. Well, I couldn't I find my DC NSA police or whatever this was job. But I did get to finish my degree. I got my associates right after I got out as well. So I did that when we first started this new mommy and me business. But it was, it was a lot happening at once for
0: us. Yeah. So talking about the point of transition, right? So you guys exited the military, not exactly at the same time, but kind of near the same time yeah I'd say about
1: I was out about 11 months before her
0: okay so Tristan what were you doing during during your time in the military and then how did you guys decide like okay how's this gonna go are we both getting out uh, as one person and then the other person and how'd you line up your next thing
2: <laughs>
1: no good question I mean of my 48 month enlistment I spent 28 months of that deployed, so. I was sick of deploying, so I told Hannah, I was like, hey, I'm just going to contract and I'll just follow you where you go. And I was just trying to find jobs because, I mean, I knew she was going to Fort Bragg. I knew she wanted to follow in the footsteps of her brother, Mark. So um, if this is going to work, you know, I'm all for the ride. So luckily in the intelligence field, anything on the East Coast, you throw a stone, you could find some sort of employment. I took a job in Charlottesville, uh, working for the DIA for a little bit. Um, And then that just wasn't working for Hannah and I. So then I got a a job on post with Deuce of And then I supported that command for uh, in interesting ways for the next 11 years. So what's it like doing
0: something similar to in the same field as you were in, but you're contracting
1: now, what changed?
2: The beard.
1: (laughs) No, well. (laughs) That doesn't count where Matt's from, but uh, uh, to be honest, man, um, I never really was in any special forces per se when I was in, I supported during deployments, I I was attached to first group on my first deployment just for some CI stuff, but it was, it was very eye-opening. You know, I started at the bottom of the food chain. I mean, contractors, you know, you, you are hired help. And then when the help's not needed, you are the first to go. Uh, luckily I had a a very quick success. I got to where I wanted to go in under a year with the unit I wanted to be with. To be honest, it was, it was a dream. It was an absolute dream. I miss it. Supporting those guys. I, I miss the mission, but the second I got to the unit that I wanted to be at, it's very, I don't really care who you are, what you're from but it's very mission focused. So it was exciting. Like, hey, we're all here. We all have a different skill set. Let's just all tackle the problem as a team. And I've never worked with that. Conventional Army, it's like, hey, what's on your ERB? How good are you in the DIA? It's like, you know, what's your degree in? You know, I had a master's at the time, but it was business. What is that? How does that help the DIA? High level, use soft jobs. It was just. Or a contractor, but when I got to the, where I wanted to be, it was it was amazing, man. It was everything the video games say.
2: Oh. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> can
0: you guys t- like take us through? Because we have a lot of non-military listeners, right? Yes. So, if you say you work in military intelligence, what do you what does it actually mean? And it's probably a scope. So. Like, yeah, I was. What, what are this? What are some of the common things that someone would mean by saying that?
2: It was, was completely it cool? different scopes. Like we did completely different things, even though we were both military intelligence analysts. I was more worried about who's bombing who, like who did this attack, like why is this head chopped off, what what people do this, but. Um, that's-
1: I, I was more working uh, a people person. Go out, recruit people to help us. We utilize them for information, intelligence to help support missions, to be able to protect us on the, the FOB that we're at for counterintelligence, for uh, spies against us, stuff like that. But intelligence is extremely broad because there's there's signals intelligence, there's human intelligence, ISR, there's, whoop, whoop. there's uh, ISR, intelligence surveillance and reconnaissance, there's technical intelligence now. So Hannah was one of the best all source, which is pretty much you are overseeing all the ints, all the intelligence, and then reporting that to the commanding general of core, and she did that daily. I was more focused, hyper-focused on the human side is how can I make this guy my best friend, pay him some money, and how we can utilize him or her to support ongoing operations. In a macro sense, if that answers your question, Matt.
0: Yeah, that's great. So you have uh, you have a bunch of different intelligence channels, right? Surveillance, human intelligence, uh, open source, that kind of thing. Reporting and Hannah, you're taking all these things and you're you're filtering out what is good to know and briefing the core command, which core is like a very high level segment of of the military, right? Like it's it's above division. And then Tristan, you are trying to make friends for the US uh, so that we can work together to make their country a better place. And it might be the best way I could put it.
1: Yeah, I think you nailed it. That's a a
0: definite way to, good definition. Okay, great. Hey everyone, this is Matt. I know you've heard me talk about the Coast to Coast Foundation for a few months now. So this weekend I caught up with my buddy Mario and this
3: time I'm gonna let him speak for me. Hi everyone, this is Mario Silvis, the director of the Coast to Coast Foundation. We just completed the seventh ride for the Fallen on September 11th. We rode over 4,000 miles from Los Angeles, California to Arlington National Cemetery, stopping in more than a dozen cities across the country to reconnect with families of Fallen Special Operators and raise funds for those still in need. The Coast to Coast Foundation was founded in honor of Sergeant First Class Ryan Savard of 3rd Special Forces Group and U.S. Special Operations Command. It helps wounded Special Operations Veterans close the financial gap between their lasting medical needs and what's traditionally covered. All proceeds from the Coast to Coast Foundation go to assisting veterans in their recovery from combat and service-related injuries. Your donations have helped improve and even save the lives of special operations veterans still battling the lasting effects of war. If you aren't yet, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, at CXC Foundation, or by visiting our website directly at coastxcoast.org. Be sure to click that donate button to help make a difference. Celebrate. Remember. Honor. Coast to coast. Thanks. Let's get back to the show.
0: Go, okay. So going back to like the point where you guys are transitioning, Tristan, you start contracting. Uh, you're doing what you love to do, a job that you've, you've been you know, training for for a while. Hannah, you start running a like a, a group fitness company that is contracting on post.
2: Yeah, that was hard to get. <laughs> Co- contracting on these, like creating your own company and then trying to find somebody to.
1: And what she's underselling is, I mean, we're okay to sell it, but she was also her first, not only just oh, operating a business, but it was through a franchise. So that was yeah. the Ambrzeski's first dealing with, and mainly Hannah, of, it was a Stroller Strides franchise. That's very successful, very mm-hmm. successful. They have a good one here in Moore County. So she learned how the ins and outs of franchising. She's learning ins and outs of owning a business, employees she has to deal with. She had to recruit uh, you know, teachers. So yeah, she had her hands full there.
0: I wanted to talk about franchising specifically. And I don't know how many more steps there were from that first one to what you guys are doing now. Can you talk about franchising as a business plan, as a route to entrepreneurship?
1: Oh, yeah, totally. It's the in-between button, right? When you're usually investing in a franchise, you're paying a premium for their foundation, right? They're giving you 80% foundation on what their business processes works that, that has been tried and trued throughout you know, markets and their market demographics to be able to then kind of cut ahead of all the market research and your own business plan. And they provide you... If it's a good franchise, uh, provide you kind of a clear path to success. Granted, you still have to put in the work. You have to do your negotiations. There's a lot of ins and outs with certain vendors and whatnot and build outs, but you're kind of cheating ahead to the 80% mark without having to do any of that. And you just have to pay a premium on top of that. Right. So right. Uh, for for the time gap closure, Hannah had uh, stroller strides and. Fit for a fit for a mom that is a licensee of stroller strides, just because I want to win the argument, um, but <laughs> other way around. But what happened was, was she had this franchise and then um, a guy by the name of Ken Burnett, a good friend of mine, walked into the room, hey, hey, Tristan, I heard this on the radio. There's a Anytime Fitness grant that they're trying to have people apply for. And then this grant was 125K loan, 125K grant, and then free franchise fee and a bunch of other perks. And I was like, you know, I learned from the, where I worked, you can't win unless you play. So I went online, filled out the application. Then I wrote a, okay. I filled out the initial inquiry. <laughs> she filled out the 18 page, you know, why are you interested? We did a combined bio. I had to write a 60 page business plan. We submitted it, we made the top three. We did a Zoom, a Skype kind of interview. There was two other people around Fort Bragg that we went against and we were blessed to be chosen.
2: They never told us who won. It's only one veteran that wins it every year. They never told us which person won.
1: Clearly I won, but uh, (laughs) I'm a winner, but uh, (laughs) no, but, and then, so, uh, so that, that's how that happened.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, we had to give up Fit for Mom because it was a non-compete. Right. So I had that franchise and I had this idea in my head. I was like, well, I could, we are always looking for indoor locations. Like a gym has an indoor studio. Why can't I still own both franchises and Anytime Fitness that I can't do that for non-compete reasons? So I sold that business and then we fully took on our first gym uh, and chose it to be here in Moore County for the lack of better reasons other than it needed a gym.
1: In, in all honesty, in all person, that's what saved my wife and I, brought us back together. We had to work oh, as yeah? a team to build, to, to make a business. It's a baby, you have to be on the same team. And that kind of started us to, you know, Hey, we're all in this. And then we did everything possible to be good at the business, but as well as be good when we got home. So, sorry, got a little mushy there, but in reality, that's what happened. So, I mean, it was, it was awesome. You know, it was almost like a blessing from God that, hey, we were chosen, but don't fuck this up because I'm, I'm giving this to you to so not only for the benefit of, hey, awesome and a gym, but I, I truly believe it was an olive branch for our marriage. That's
0: great. So it's not like a, it's not just a business in a box. I mean, you got to be working hard at a lot of other things that come with it, right?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it is definitely not a business in a box, right? So from commercial real estate to uh, site location to where's the right place, you want to do your own business intelligence. But the greatest part about our backgrounds is we're really good at collecting intelligence and summarizing it and making decisions off it, right? I mean, that's, that's what the military taught us. And we just kind of flipped it into, okay, let's do it in the entrepreneurial sense. And I mean, Brother, I mean, we spend 18, 20 hours a day sometimes just researching what's the best place. How, how can we, I mean, we negotiate our toilet paper, man. Like we do not mess around. But on the build out, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of good things to have on the the franchise because we had someone to ask a question to. And a lot of people getting into businesses, they don't have someone to ask a question to other than Google or maybe they have an uncle that owns a tire shop. You know, I'm being very generalistic, but That's one of the biggest benefits for Anytime Fitness was they were extremely responsive and helped like every process, you know, it was just really good. So definitely not business in a box, but it was definitely, hey, this is what you want to look for, for a building. Hey, this is what you want to look for, for a contractor. This is what you want to look out for the floor plan. This is what the equipment list should look like, which you've been to our gyms. And if you've ever gone to any, any other anytime fitness gyms, we don't, we, we build our own kind of <laughs> to our standard. I mean, we love gyms and fitness, but it's not the normal build out. You don't usually have a deadlift station. You don't have a bench press. You don't have a squat rack, but we do because, you know, I think that's what the market wanted. I mean, anytime fitness, I mean, you walk in, Matt, you, you've been in a one, it's a purple gym. No one's going in there. It's like, okay, this is where I see people bench 600 pounds, right? So, I mean, that's not usually the customer sense that they're going for. And to be honest, that is the market of gyms. 95% of people that work out aren't the 5%. So, Anytime Fitness, which I think they nailed it, is they go after that.
2: The James, core. Stan and Nancy's of America. The normal average people. Right. That- that need to work out for, you know, health reasons or want to s- stick around for their kids and grandbabies and stuff like that.
0: So tell me bo- about both of your personal fitness journeys, aside from just being in the, in the military.
2: I'm, I pretty much uh, did just softball my whole like K through five. And then once I got into middle school and high school, I was a cheer- cheerleader, but that's pretty much all of my fitness background until I got into the army, and then I loved combatives. You know, I went to all the instructor courses and became combatives little one, two, three certified just because I loved fighting. Was- she still does. <laughs> <laughs> Only one sassy. Eh? Yeah, real talk. <laughs> Um So that was a passion of mine. I I didn't know I liked it. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could, wouldn't it? <laughs> but. That's pretty much it for me. I don't have this extensive historical fitness background of golf and baseball and football like this guy does. I love working out. I've always been very
1: competitive with sports. Got into the military, deployed. Unfortunately, a a part of an IED, um, about 95% of my back, (coughs) uh, my lower, I think, six vertebrae, is non-existent. I dealt with that by powerlifting, which was horrible. Then when I got out just dealing with PTSD, I put on a lot of weight. I went to the doctors and they're like, hey, you're 28 years old, you're 290 pounds, you're 5'11, what are you doing in my office? I can give you a fusion, but you'll be here in six months. And don't tell my other customers this in the waiting room. But this world has not even close to figure out back surgery. So what you need to do is you need to get into a gym and be create a core because you don't have one right now. He goes, your, your core strengths about the same core strength of a 90 year old. So I took uh fitness serious cause I didn't want to die. I just had a, a you know, I don't want to die prematurely. I don't want to be on blood pressure medicine. I just had this beautiful new daughter in my life. Just accepted Christ. Okay. Let's, let's work on my body if I'm going to see them grow. Then I just totally, that was my new addiction, was the gym. Studied it, loved it. And then on the sense of your question on why we built it that way is we kind of built it in the sense of how we could work out, even though it's a smaller space than most gyms, we kind of built it to what's our normal workout routine with what the equipment we're allowed to purchase that we think our show People, why they come and work out, oh, I got to have this machine. Well, here it is.
2: And even for the new Army PT test, their stuff is so much different now than when we went in, what the PT test standards are. So, like, you need to have this, what, like the hex bar. We have that at our gym now. They have to drag and lift people and, like, toss things. So, we have the functional equipment. We have that green turf now and, like, those sleds that you can pull and push. So, I think that was smart to get because we have a lot of people you know, needing to pass their PT test and live where we are 40 to 50 minutes from base, which their gyms have been closed up until this point or very limited, very restricted, hard for them to even work out in a facility. Not, you know, not able to do so.
0: And you're a competitor too. You missed mentioning that.
1: Oh yeah. I amateur compete for national physique uh, committee. I did it it big in 2017. Was very successful. Uh, I tried to go pro that year. Didn't work out. I just recently uh, did a competition and brought two first place trophies home. So that was really good. And I'm going to, I just dropped the news to my wife, but uh, I'm going to try to go for my pro card in December out in LA. So pray, pray for Hannah dealing with me for the next 14 weeks. He's in my so day.
2: peachy. Yeah. He's lovely when yeah. he's cutting out certain foods and working out certain times of the day, yeah.
1: <laughs> but it, it is, it's an addiction, but it, to me and my addictive personality, I think it's the healthiest one right now that my wife and I are both okay with. But you, you're talking about the the equipment piece before we started going down rabbit holes. But the biggest piece on, on any business, especially a gym, is you have to be okay with pulling a piece off the floor as in, hey, this isn't working. And I, sh- and like a business owner that invested $3,000 on this piece of equipment and nobody's using, you have to just take it off the floor and replace it. And I think that's where a lot of some facilities go wrong.
0: So it's a sunk cost, right? And a lot of business owners don't understand that. A lot of people don't understand that, but you have a limited square footage that you have to work with and you have to make the best space for everyone. I always loved going on a deployment and either inheriting a gym that we could improve or building a new gym because you were always short on space, short on equipment and high on ingenuity. And I mean, we built some some fantastic looking places and uh, I get nostalgic about it now, too, especially when I see how much uh, wasted spaces in gyms I go to uh, now.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's some giant Costco sized gyms, but a quarter of the gyms not even used and the owners of uh, anti Fitness. Chuck and Dave is a really good example is when we're, when they were talking, we go, you train for like a week before you open up a gym with them in Minnesota and they come in and they kind of explain exactly what you just said. Well, why would I go here? The the YMCA has all this stuff. When's the last time you used the pool? Oh, I don't use the pool. When's the last time you used the rock climbing? Well, I don't use the rock climbing. When's the last time you used the basketball courts? I don't use basketball courts oh, so you pay for a $70 membership that you can get everything you want for $30 24 seven. And then it's just, you could see, and they do it like hidden cameras with people. And it's just like this light bulb, like how'd you're right. I've just been giving them an extra $40 a month and I don't use any of that. And that's kind of the mindset for our business plan and our business capture is to be able to convince our members that that's the differentiator.
0: Yeah, my home gym right now because of COVID and because I live in New York City is Peloton, Power Blocks, stretchy bands, and yoga mat.
1: You know what? I, I was, love Peloton. I was paying
0: an absurd uh, amount of money to go to a New York City gym.
1: But it, it's whatever works for you, right? I mean, if, if if a gym's not needed and if you're healthy, that's awesome. If, I mean, we, are the, we don't pressure anybody. We don't do commission model. We just do, you know, at the end of the month, if we had a good month. You know, we'll, we'll throw some money around to the guys and the girls, but we're all about fitness. If it's not going to be here, as long as you're successful and what your goals are, that's all fitness is, right? However you achieve satisfactory fitness and healthiness and you build your immune system and be able to be able to accomplish what you need to do day in and day out for your family and you, that's successful and healthy living where a lot of people go wrong. Oh, I got to have to be a part of this gym and I gotta have yoga and I got to have I got to have this gym membership and I got to take these nutrition shakes and I got to have all these different vitamins and blah, blah, blah. I like, well, how about you just go walk outside for an hour and have a semi-good diet? I guarantee you'll drop 20 pounds. And like two weeks later, they'll come up. Tristan, I dropped 11 pounds. It's mainly water weight, but I'm happy for you, man. Like awesome, you know, but you're right. But if that's working for you, that's awesome.
0: Okay. So, You guys had a little bit of franchise experience, you had some business education, you had the military training you to investigate the hell out of everything. As you got into this business, what, what were you lacking? Or what kind of, what surprised you? What were you missing?
1: Money. (laughs) Um, I I had to empty out my 401k because even with all the grant and loan, we were still about 110k short so I just crushed my uh, 401k or my 401k and my thrift savings plan to be able to make that gap. And I tell you what, God bless. We had an amazing start or we would have we been in trouble, brother. But I think capital is one. And that's why I think a lot of entrepreneurs go wrong is they completely underestimate the capital you need to go into a business. I always tell everybody I've done a couple talks and it's always however much you think you need, triple it. Triple it. Mm. Not saying you use it, but it you need to be able to have it liquid cash to be able to use. I mean, there's some months that Han and I got got by with tens and twenties in our wallet to pay our staff. You know, I mean, we had a couple of months like that. Our first winter, we were, we got the labor problem wrong. I mean, we were having three four staff there all day to be able to you know clean and answer anything, but we were spending thirty grand a month in labor. Normal for an any time fitness is about six to eight, you know? Right. So, I mean, we were so concerned on customer satisfaction that we didn't pay attention to the mu- the, the numbers the first year.
0: Do you guys have different or do you guys have complementary work styles? Do you divide up tasks at work? Just talking to you guys, I know you, you
2: guys have uh, complementary personalities.
0: You just talk about that a little bit.
2: Well, I, I do a lot of the day to day stuff. I like to be in the clubs. We have two gyms now, so I like to try to split my time between both and make sure that, you know, the cleanings to our standards, making sure how the phones are being answered is to standard, how tours are are being done is to standard. So I'm very hands on. If think something's not under warranty. I want to fix it out of our pocket. YouTube the heck out of it. So I'm very hands on myself. I like to come up with weird and quirky ideas in the gym to make the members feel appreciated and like we would have DIY salad. We can't do this kind of stuff right now because of COVID, but DIY, make your own salad bar or make your own granola, or we'll have Halloween costume contest day or Tristan loves. We have this annual lift off competition between the police officers where we collect all, all this money and then whatever uh, station wins gets a trophy and then all this money. So we like to do lots of quirky things for our members, for our staff, for our community. I feel have this creative mind of like, we could do this. He does a lot of, he's a very good salesman. So like if he can pitch what we do in the gym and how we operate very well to people. So somebody come in and off the street just thinks that we want to, like he was saying, like we want to sell you a gym membership. No, we don't. If you want to be here, then that's fine. We would love to have you here. That's not, we're not going to force you into a membership. So he's, he's very good with that. Plus he's got a lot of muscle. so anytime we need to rearrange anything, he is on it.
1: She's so full of crap, man. <laughs> she 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 is ten times tougher than me. But to answer your question on, on complementarity, is uh I mean, she she runs it. She's a platoon sergeant, she knows everything where everything goes in and out, and she runs it sound. I'm more in the back, numbers, dealing with sales, improvement on sales piece, but as well as I'm the enforcer, right? When it's either I'm there to, sit, to do sales, or there's an issue, and I I am the biggest believer in the bad apple. Uh, bad apple ruins the pot, and I mean just just in Southern Pines, I have banned 67 people th- with law enforcement from our business and facility. I, I've had so many people come up to me and say, "Hey, thanks, that guy was creepy," or "Hey, that that girl was really, you know, stalking me," or we. We give all the law enforcement as well as special forces, free memberships. So usually situations police itself and word gets out. So I think, I think that's kind of how we break down and divide lines of effort. And then I do all the taxes, all, all that piece, Hannah us the marketing and we could touch on the, the marketing piece, man. She's a, she's a marketing genius.
2: Well, he does a yeah. lot of the negotiations too, especially with this COVID. We were shut down for 76 days. And obviously, if you're a business owner, rent's not free during those 76 days. So he was talking, you know, all, all to all, all our landlords and everything and to our, our lenders and our the people who we have lease agreements to. It was a lot of work trying to apply for, you know, loans, grants and all that kind of stuff. He was doing the majority of that. And luckily with his negotiation skills, we had a lot of things done for our benefit that would help us get back on our feet from those almost three months of completely no income whatsoever.
0: How did COVID feel to you guys? Like on a day to day, was it just, I mean, were you getting down or what? You had to fight through so much, right?
1: I'm going to answer it as a loving husband and then we'll hit the business piece. <laughs> um I mean, it was a shock to everybody. Luckily in North Carolina, we were actually, even though we were the last to open our gyms back up, we were the last state in the country to actually close gyms down. So that was tough. Was it scary? It was. Luckily, we made communications with our landlords, both of our Pinehurst and Southern Pines location. And they say, no matter what, we're going to work with you. You guys are good tenants. You always pay on time. So that's you have to hit up the big problems and work your way down right then it was labor then you had to you know, our employees that was a very tough conversation that i had to, you know we had to lay off 90% of our staff we gave them uh, 2 weeks pay that we couldn't afford but we uh, we pulled it out of savings and we did it just so they could you know get their unemployment filled out get it all in so they wouldn't skip a beat for payments after that then Hannah aggressively got us the ppv loan which was amazing but the actual effect of COVID where we felt it the most was we were being attacked on social media. And I don't know how you how you react, but I can handle pretty much anybody if someone spits in my face. But if I come home and I see my wife upset, I'm a really pissed off guy. And I think it was just, just the absolute, I just try to keep this professional. We were attacked for keeping our gyms open. We were attacked for opening our gyms early. Once we got, we joined a lawsuit against the governor and we won under the pretense of that your doctor has to recommend you to go there or if you're a paid athlete and some other things. But the hardest part of it was seeing my wife upset. Anything else we can figure out. Worst case scenario, we close the doors, we bankrupt. It is what it is. We move on. I have a really good job uh, outside of this. But that was the hardest part for me as a husband to see my wife upset because, brother, she's put she put her whole life into this the last five years. I mean, everything, her heart and soul. So someone to attack her because they think she's spreading COVID. We're spreading COVID for keeping our gyms. And you've been in our gym, brothers. It's fucking spotless. It's Um, immaculate. Yeah. So and that's our different. That's our massive market differentiator because because of our size, we have to be we have to be perfect with the dust and and the cleanliness, but people would still attack us then, you know, and I had a couple unprofessional moments on social media that, you know, I I made some posts of governor. What are you thinking? Or, you know, so I wish I could not take those back, but maybe scaled it down, but I'll let Hannah talk on her side. Sorry.
2: We tried to use the time that we were closed though, in a smart way. So the few staff that we could keep, we tried to, fill their time with useful things. So the trainers that we did have, we were trying to find ways to get them training clients and train outside, you know, with the 10 person max. Our other staff that was working on in the clubs, we were trying to have them, you know, rejuvenate the clubs. So painting, cleaning, you know, fixing things like reupholstering, all kinds of just work to make the gym look better when we could open up. So we did a lot of work when we were shut down and then just trying to get ahead of the negativity because you're always going to have these people online that are going to say bad things so just trying to get ahead of it there's a ton of competitors in our area that saw what we were doing came in to like secret shop because we have all these new policies and all these new procedures that they're like where did you buy that i want to put that in my gym or where'd you buy that i need to put that in my um, dental clinic or like my MMA clinic or my CrossFit center. We had a ton of people that were like, wow. And even the chamber said the day we had a meeting and they're like, Hannah, you did a really great job showing people what you expect walking through the door. You have to take your temperature. You have to, you know, wear your mask. You have to sanitize your hands. There's a shoe station that you sanitize your feet as you go in. Yeah, bro. The
1: bottom of your feet, she you got <laughs> a sanitizer or a feet sanitizer. <laughs> But I mean, it, but she nailed it, man.
2: And we just tried to get ahead of that dur- uh, during this time, because it's like you said, we're we're not open to the public until tomorrow at 5 p.m. So we've been only able to service a few, you know, select type of people.
1: One thing about the COVID thing before we move on, Matt, is we even had um, our members and employees create a GoFundMe oh, yeah. page, and a friend of mine invited us over for a barbecue, we were clueless and uh <laughs> and we went over there and it was just supposed to be us and all of a sudden we just see all these members and staff, staff come in right like, oh, what, what this what are we just get ourselves into <laughs> um, and then they said like hey they did a go fund us page and they raised a substantial amount of money you know a thousand bucks and that, that helped us with labor that month like that was big and and we've had a lot of clients uh call and like hey i can't come in i'm not comfortable but keep drafting my account or a lot of the trainers, so the biggest part is about it, being a trainer is the gym, they only get paid when they train, right? It's a 1099 kind of relationship. They get paid a, per, a certain percentage and then we keep the, the smaller percentage for the gym. But a lot of their clients kept paying them and either the trainer would go and train at their house or, hey, just charge me, just charge me for the month for three sessions a week.
2: Mm-hmm. We, have a, we have a great community of people that have tried to help us a lot um, to get through it and to make sure that we continue getting
1: through it. That's
0: incredible. I can't imagine a community having any kind of relationship like that with people who've owned the gyms that I've gone to. You I'm guys blessed. are you guys are combat leaders. How did you take your community through COVID? So we talked about what actually your perspective was, but how did you lift up other people, right? You you let your trainers go work at people's houses. You tried to pay your staff for as long as you could so that they could have a smooth transition to unemployment.
2: Oh, I, f- I feel like we- <laughs> it's back and forth. We try to do things for our community a lot. And sometimes they'll be like, Hannah, we should really give this person this money back or Hannah, we should really donate this or like we don't need this or I think it's a lot um, back and forth. We don't know that sometimes that we're like, yeah, well, this is the right thing to do. Like, this is what we have to do. Like, we'll get through it. And somehow we're always blessed. If we feel like we've given too much, it always ends up coming back to us. Um,
1: it's the Jerry Seinfeld. He loses 20, 20 bucks, bucks, throws it out the window, <laughs> then he finds it in his pocket. Even Steven. <laughs> yeah, man. But to, na- to-, to, ask-, to ask that question, we- we've been called to help with suicides. We've been called hey. A- can we go for a walk? Hey, can I come into the gym, you know, and just just come in there and walk on the treadmill? Can I just work out for 40 minutes? You know, I'm, yeah, of course. We still kept the doors open for police officers because how are you going to be able to protect the community, but you can't build your immune system and be able to work out as well as military members and stuff like that. So, but it's it's unfortunate because we've dealt with a lot of just, people that need help and we were being forced not to be able to help them. We found creative ways to help them with the outdoor workouts, just going over, checking in on members, bringing them food, talking to them. But I mean, this has been a hard time for everybody.
0: You know. You do a lot of, you said low cost marketing, use social media. I've heard from other people who live near you and uh, maybe go to your gyms that you guys are pretty entertaining on social media. I, like it's I told you, I'm
2: I'm real quirky and I try to come up with weird ideas to make us stand out. Like the one time, I, well, now it was our old manager, Lauren, but we got on Good Morning America because of our, our quirky pumpkin workout or whatever. But it, we just try to do weird things and, you know, make it stand out and make it obviously relevant or easy for somebody to do or make it stand out in a certain way. But it is very low cost. Like I do a lot of social media marketing with just Google and very rarely, like Tristan mentioned, we don't spend much money on it at all, but Instagram and Facebook, that's about it. We don't, we don't really branch out that much outside of those realms, but we do yeah. videos. Uh, like I'm stalking my trainers. Every time they train, I take weird pictures of them at odd angles and <laughs> just following them around to get that perfect image. Like even our our newest employees, she's, I was like, why did you apply here? We were not hiring, like, why did you just out of the blue, email us. And she's like, to be honest, like your social media accounts, because you guys look like a fun group to be around and it looks like you do a lot with the community. I was like, well, that is very true. Every month I look up quirky holidays.
0: We're like national cat day or something.
1: We do national dog, dog
0: day. Dog day, we do dog uh, day. We have, we he must branched. be a
1: cat guy. <laughs> Actually, we brought our cat to the gym one time. She did not like she it. She wasn't a fan. No. But, 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 but Hannah, I would say she's, I mean, the, the social media platform, she's, she's a star, and she does about 80% of it. Usually my 20% is just, Hey, it's a purple gym. No one works out heavy. Oh, Hey, here, by the way, this guy squats 700 pounds or Hey, Oh yeah, we don't work out heavy. And then I'll bench 405 or something just to kind of distill the thought process of any type of negativity, but kind of do it in a funny joking way. But I think Hannah nails it on the head of, we try to create the most fun but productive atmosphere as possible. So you you want to open that door. You want to go to the gym, you know? Yeah.
0: How much of social media marketing is formulaic versus authentic and personal? Because a lot of people think they can just outsource it or they can just follow a playbook and it'll work out for them. I know there's gotta be some formula to it, but you have to live it, right?
2: Yeah, no, there's definitely a personal side to it that you have to, you have to relate it. Like you, you can obviously do all these search engine optimization and use these keywords. And because like, I I get calls almost every day for this other gym, just because of the certain keywords that I use um, in my Google ads, that I come up before this other local gym. And they're like, I'm so sorry, like your ad came up first on Google. It's like, or like your name I was like, I know, I do a lot of uh, SEO optimization and try to get my name, like my brand, my, our, our gym, you know, on other sites. So like, if I put my gym with the chamber of commerce, or if I put our gym with the uh, business association, like every time our link goes out there, we're, you know, growing on that Google page, like we're going to be the first. So that is an important part, but being authentic, like telling people their stories in the gym, like, like Tristan said, like, yeah, you can lift, you know, heavy weight in this. I almost said heavy ass weight, but you, you can, can lift it, heavy weight. That's okay. A big boy. <laughs> you can lift heavy weight in this gym, or you could lose weight in this gym. You could, you know, train, We have marathon runners that we've sponsored there. There's all different kinds of people, so you have to make it relatable and like you, like you mentioned, it has to be personable as well. So highlight that it's real. Like it, real people can go there.
1: Well, I, say, I would say our one of our basic, biggest success is tagging the people that are in the gym doing the activity. Because then not only do they feel a part of it, but then their whole list sees it. And then they see, oh, my, oh, that's my friend. And then they like that. And then that other friend sees it. So just from a post that, you know, you, you put someone in there and they like it. I mean, 10,000 people could see that within minutes, you know, like she said, one of our, when things went viral, the pumpkin workout, it was good Morning America. You know, we were on entrepreneur magazine in 2017, just for, you know, kicking butt. It's, I mean, just, you never know, but the more, the more people, the more tags, the more hashtags, um, cause everybody's following that, um, it just, everyone's got their phone in their face, which drives me nuts at the gym, Do but you located
2: uh, everything, make people to uh, check in. It's all important It, it for your website appearance and your Google appearance. Like he mentioned, social media as far as like Instagram and Facebook, you can geolocate that and then if you're tagging somebody, it's it's quick to spread, spread a lot faster.
0: Hi everyone, this is the increasingly predictable support segment for the show, so let me give it to you straight. First, if you do nothing else, please go ahead and share us with at least one other person. You can't beat word of mouth advertising. Everything about the show can be found on thankyounowwhat.com. You You can email us directly at thankyounowwhat at gmail.com for any follow-ups, show notes, gripes, complaints, or good ideas. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at thankyounowwhat. If you're a new listener, please subscribe so that you get our latest episodes every two weeks, like clockwork. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you really like what we're doing here and you'd like to share the cost of doing business with us, there are a couple options. First, you can give a one-time donation via the PayPal link on our website. You can also go to the Patreon link on our website or go to patreon.com slash thankyounowwhat. There you can subscribe to give a fixed amount per episode, even if it's just a dollar. Please know that Ben and I are volunteering our time and effort and that all net proceeds from this podcast will be redirected to nonprofits that support veterans as soon as we pay for things like hosting software and equipment. You can also choose to give directly to the nonprofits we feature. Thanks. Let's get back to the episode. COVID aside, are you glad that you got into this? It it lets you connect with people so closely, right? Whereas maybe a different business wouldn't.
1: Brother, we've seen people lose 150 pounds. We've had people come up to Hannah crying, "You got me off my medication that I knew was killing me." I mean, the the financial aspect—it's a roller coaster in a gym business. But in the sense of not only you know personally—I mean, being closest I've ever been to my wife ever—and learning things Mm -hmm. in a business in the trenches through good and bad. But just just the amount of help a gym Does to people when they take it serious? It's it's amazing, man. Like when we just had a member of the month last month, brother. She lost eighty pounds in six months. She's in there killing.
2: Even during COVID, she was the only one though. But I was so proud.
1: But like eighty pounds—that's so big. That's a life change. You're a different human being. You know. I mean, and it's just amazing when someone. My biggest thing is when someone comes in. I'm on all these pills, and then in six months they do what we tell them to do. I'm off all my pills. I couldn't believe it. The doctor said we could never, this would never happen. And we just did some simple stuff and we exercised it and tightened up our diet. And here we are. That's been the, mo- I mean, I-, I take that over $10,000 in a day. I'm just gonna be real. There's probably a lot of business antics or we could be more aggressive in pricing or we could you know, try to get more out of the business but I, I would way rather a success story than Hannah and I go on a vacation. I'm just going to be completely honest and candid. It's just amazing, man. It just makes you melt. Like, holy shit, what we built are changing people's lives for the good, you know? Other than the sixty-seven people I banned from our gym. Yeah,
2: uh, <laughs> not them. see <laughs> you later, guys.
0: Uh,
1: so what, they're just creeps or what? Oh, yeah, we don't. We I have, don't, a, I have a, a zero tolerance, man. You'd make somebody uncomfortable. I mean, I got my, my pride and joy there, man. I got my kids in there sometimes. I mean, just on a, a personal level, I can't have that. But, uh, I mean, yeah, we've had girls cornered in bathrooms. We've had people get snappy with people from USASOC. That didn't work out well for them. Or it just, we, people we,
2: recording other people working out.
1: Hannah's been recorded by a guy. I had to call the cops on this guy. Like It was just
2: creepy. And, touching and just, other people. It's oh, just... It's I've, gross. It's uncomfortable. It's all
1: the stuff that everyone's scared of, of going to the gym. But our community knows that we don't allow that. Mm-hmm. That is a... That is a no-go. And that's why a lot of people feel comfortable in going there. Now, do we get the meatheads? No. Do I want the meatheads being a meathead? I mean, sometimes. But no, right? I mean, that's not... We're we're there to just help people's lives. So you
0: start a second gym. Is there going to be a third? Is there going to be more (laughs) other businesses? (laughs) We didn't know
2: we were going to do the uh, second gym. We always wanted to... Once the first gym... it, it. Well, obviously we don't have to pay certain franchise fees and we got, you know, a certain amount of money to open it up. So that was a blessing. And when we opened up, when we opened up, the community really took us in and our story and everything. So we did, you know, fairly well with the first one. And so we're like, well, what are we going to do next? This is doing so good. Like, we got to keep it going. So we went out to the Midwest to look into certain other franchises and stuff like that. Bigsby
1: Coffee. We sent her out too. So you can say
2: it. Well, there's some other ones. Like you wanted to do that. It was a tropical smoothie or
1: something. Yeah, a tropical smoothie we tried to open up, but the zip code was already sold.
2: There's a ton of, and I didn't, we didn't know it until after we had teed up for the troops as the nonprofit organization that helped us get this opportunity. And we had no clue. And a lot of military members don't. There are so many resources out there and there are so many franchisees that will give veterans certain opportunities. So like no franchise fees or when you first join it, it's like $10,000 less or there, you know, there's so many benefits to being a veteran and going into a franchisee. So once we did so well with anytime fitness, we started looking at other opportunities and we were trying to find something that was complementary to our first gym. And when we couldn't find something that we liked or it was already taken.
1: <laughs> but to be honest, man, I mean, just, the second gym. just to be honest, I wanted to see if we could do it without any help. You know what I mean? There's, you know, I mean, it's one of those things. Someone came up to me and said, you couldn't do that, Tristan, without any help. And I was like, mm, what'd you say, bro? <laughs> and sure enough, we did it without anybody's help. You know, I mean, granted, you know, the Lord, and as well as a lot of people mentorship and a lot of long nights with Hannah and I talking and crying and figuring stuff out with the second gym. Um, but but yeah, you know, I mean, that to me, that was my motivation. Could we do it without 125K grant, 125K 3% interest rate on a business loan, which is unheard of. And we're doing it. You know, we're still growing that baby out there. I mean, COVID kind of fucked us, but we had a good foundation before COVID. So we're able to make our bills, which is, that is that is the, the number one name of the game, especially now with COVID is stay in the black. Um, yeah. so we're very happy to be in the black right now.
0: One other thing you mentioned that kids are in there with you, you guys. And I remember your kids showed up uh, the day we were working out together. And uh, they're still eyes are still closed, trying to go back to sleep. But um, your kids are how old now? Five and eight. Five and eight. So what's it like being entrepreneurs working together in your businesses and parenting all through it. Like, what is, do you, you just have wi- a wild day every day, like oh. start to finish.
2: <laughs> You're telling right? me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, the, And the girls are very understanding and know that mommy and daddy, you know, have gyms that they need to take care of and they're very good and understanding with it. And even our oldest, she's like, we were on the phone with his sister's and sister today. And she's like, daddy, tell auntie J that we can open our gyms now can you tell her that on Friday we can open up to the public? Tell her daddy. Like she was, she, our eight year old is so invested in making sure like, you know, she knows the manager's names and she's so involved in like, when it's somebody's birthday, cause uh, we try to celebrate our staff's birthdays, but our, our, our oldest, she's very intuitive. And she's like, it's this person's birthday. Like, did you get them something? But the youngest just thinks it's a gym, a jungle gym to play in that mommy and daddy own. <laughs> um, but the eight-year-old, she's very—it's Loma. She's she's very good at you know wanting to help. Like even our we have Anytime Fitness is very isn't very much known for this huge blackboard with lots of cool chalk art, and our oldest um, loves drawing on that. So any opportunity she gets to do that or the cleaning, the kids love cleaning the gyms for us, which is weird. But I'm gonna let them do that because well, parents won't let their kids clean. But they, they love being involved. They like helping. But anytime we do go, like if my husband's working and we visit him, they just they want to help or stay with him and say answer the phones and, and be involved. They're, they're That's awesome. They're
0: like, they're like entrepreneurs in training. That's great. Ben, have you been taking any notes? Yeah, I was just curious. I mean, your passion and your enthusiasm for health and helping people obviously translates. You know, it's something that you've created a specific vibe that your customers And your workers have picked up on as you add a new location, does it have its own unique vibe? Are you concerned about maintaining uh, consistency? How's that working out for you?
2: It's a little bit different. The first location, we have a studio, which we had a lot of senior classes in. So obviously, that's been shut down since COVID, and we have yet to bring that back up. And I don't think we'll be able to, even in. version 2.5 of our phase i don't think we're going to be allowed to have our classes but our senior classes at our first location were the most popular thing and you would see a lot of seniors just flood in in the mornings and at the other location it's there is no studio it's actually an outdoor turf area that we have so it's huge on the functional fitness huge on like the army pt training you could do out there like small group training high intensity stuff could be done on that turf so it's a different vibe as far as the clientele, but the standards that we have, you know, go throughout both as far as like the cleanliness, cleanliness the customer service.
1: But to answer, Ben, I think the, the age demographic's different within the 10-minute ten, the, the ten drive. So age demographic in the Southern Pines location, it's about 15 years older than the demographic in our new Piners location. So we built it out in the sense of, hey, higher intensity, we're not gonna have a studio. We need to be able to be a more of an aggressive platform out there. The biggest gym out there is kinda like the uh, the, the Pinehurst uh, First Health, that's kinda like a YMCA equivalent. So we know we, we couldn't go against them to try to attract the senior demographic because that is pretty much the biggest senior demographic gym there. And the other other one up the street, it was our CrossFit a competitor. So we had our demographic was, hey, let's go after not meatheads per se, but more of an age demographic between 18 to 40, which is almost flipped upside down from our age demographic in Southern Pines, which is majority 40 through 70. So it's just more of a up-tempo vibe. So it, it, there's still lessons learned that we're learning from that, dealing with that. But yeah, I think that is a great point. And we're, we're trying to focus and ensure that both vibes are very, very uh, welcoming.
0: Do you have any techniques for uh, getting your employees to continue your philosophy, to, to bring that same enthusiasm to the job? How do, how do you work with that?
1: We probably interview a hundred and hire one. We're very upfront. Um, so, ninety percent of the time, being an employee of ours, you claim. and then after that, you got to have a good personality. You always have to be welcoming, right? So, to do that, to to ensure those standards, we're just honest with the people. Hey, we need you to be to this standard. If not, no big deal. We know people in town with your resume. We'll recommend you to them, and usually. and i can try to help them get a job somewhere else but we're very particular on who we hire Uh, we do background checks we're very open man like hey this is how we want you to act if this doesn't work no big deal but when you do work here i mean we expect you to do this
2: we do role playing as well when we first start and we even have signs on the inside of our office so people on the outside walking by can't see it but i can it says you will say hi and hello and good morning to every person that walks up to this point So they are friendly. If you're not, you cannot work for us. That's a big thing. They need to have that personality to be welcoming, be kind, be helpful. Because like we said earlier, we're trying to service those Jans, Dans, and Nancys, those everyday everyday average people that are nervous about going to the gym or don't feel like it's a a comfortable environment or that we would help them. And we even do like a a helper highlight. We try to do every month. It's like a secret thing between us managers uh, where we try to like, hey, like, do you have anybody this month that we can put 50 bucks towards at each club to help them or to highlight them in a certain way? There was a guy that walked over to Tristan today that said, hey, thanks so much for that. I think it was a Lowe's gift card for Lowe's Home Improvement because during COVID, he was very open with us and said, you know, I came on hard times financially and we had a lot of house projects that we had to stop. So we tried to instill in our a uh, staff that we want to help people and we want to make them feel welcome and be kind as possible and i i make it a a point that we have to know about people and them personally
0: you guys have such an impactful story about especially not not just entrepreneurship but even beyond that just being such strong community members and community builders i wanted to ask you guys one more question where do you think you are today if you didn't join the military. Dead. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was just on a, I was on a wrong path and I think the military definitely made me grow up. I married my queen. I have two amazing kids. I just think I was going down the wrong path and I would, I'd probably be in some gas station job or some, you know, 10 cup situation working as a golf pro at a golf range. Just, miserable. So for me, military not only saved my life, but as well as just force multiplier and, and and kerosene on what my possibilities that I could do as a human being.
2: I don't see much past what I could have done outside of the army. I was in a craft store. I love doing crafts. so I think I probably would have joined something like that because I I used to have my own craft room and everything. You should have saw the
1: boxes she sent to me in Iraq, bro. Like I'm talking major league crafts on these boxes.
2: And I had (laughs) my own like Etsy store. If people know what that is, it's like that place where you put your own creations online for other people to buy. So if I was not in the army and it did not take me on this path, I feel like I could have been doing that, but I've never, the army, you know, put me through college too. I would have never done that. That's not something that people in my family do.
1: That's actually a good point. That was actually her first business she owned. She was on Etsy selling Doc McStuffin, uh <coughs> thermometers, uh, outfits, <laughs> making dresses. Like She was bringing in revenue for the family with the super glue gun and all that before even stroller strides. So, I mean, she's a walk in eBay.
2: I love you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> well, I you guys both. What's that? No, on that note.
2: <laughs> Good story, guys. <laughs> uh,
0: I want to thank you guys both for being with us. This is the first time that we've tag teamed it, so I'm glad that we get a couple of great people to come on. And uh, Tristan, I really want you to get your pro card, so I, I just want to tell you that I don't think you can do it. I oh. that. I needed that.
2: <laughs> Thanks,
0: bro. Because I know how that goes. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Too shy. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Thank You Now What, a podcast about life after service. Be on the lookout for Hannah and Tristan shaping up a healthier and happier community. You can check them out on social media by looking for Anytime Fitness in Southern Pines and Pinehurst, North Carolina. You can see them transforming lives in real time, being great parents, and simply enjoying life. As always, thanks for listening to us. Please subscribe, rate, review, follow, and join us next time on Thank You, Now What?